Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Welcome to 2023, right? Have you already messed up writing it on a check or, or yeah, some of you, yeah, okay. So it's a brand new year. We had a new year service together, but this is really our uh, first services together as a whole, and so I'm glad you're here. It seems like every new year we start talking about first things. You, when, when you enter a new year, you start uh, dealing with priorities and, and your life, and you want to get everything in order, right? And so we begin to talk about first things. We, and I've mentioned this to you before. In Scripture, there's a law. It's called the law of first mention. When something's mentioned first, it's important. That's why we talk about first things, first fruits, first statements. They all matter, and they all are extremely important when we are looking in Scripture, and when something happens first, when something is said first, when something is done first, we should set up and pay attention to what is taking place. And so this should cause us to pay particular attention this morning to the very first question that God ever asked. You can find this first question. God asks a lot of questions throughout Scripture, but his very first question you can find recorded in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, uh, for those of you that might not I know is after Adam and Eve have eaten from the fruit of the tree that they're not supposed to eat from, and they find themselves in a fallen state. And so now Adam, recognizing his own sin and nakedness because the enemy informs him, he didn't know, now he knows, he goes and he hides, and God comes into the garden to spend time with Adam like he always has, and then he asks this first question in Genesis chapter 3 verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? I need to stop here and remind you that God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. But we also must remember that God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows everything. So I would submit to you this morning that when God walks into the garden and poses this very first question, Adam, where are you? It's not because he didn't know where Adam was. It's not like Adam was the world's finest, most accomplished, undisputed champion of hide-and-seek, and he had found a hiding place that not even God could find him. Uh, you know, it, that's not what's going on here. What's going on here is that God asked him a question so that, not so that God could gain information, but rather poses this question to Adam, Adam, where are you, so that Adam would gain information that Adam needed to have. He, he says, Adam, where are you? So, so, so Adam had gone from walking openly and transparently and unashamedly before God to now hiding from God's presence. And this question of where are you forces Adam to, to evaluate his new condition and his new position. He's got he's to ask himself, why is God looking for me? Why, why is God asking me where I am? God asked Adam this question to force Adam to come to face 
and to embrace his new condition and his position. I don't know if you've discovered this. I've discovered this in my own life. There are moments in my own life where I'm oblivious to my own condition. Anybody else? There are moments in my life where I'm not really aware of my position, my actions, my behavior, my attitudes because they are a blind spot. That's why they're called blind spots, right? I don't see them. And so 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 th- th- what I want to submit to you this morning is that as we enter 2023 that this question that God posed to Adam is the question that we must answer this year. It is the question that forces us to get out of our blind spot areas to listen and to evaluate honestly where we are because we can choose to hide but the truth this morning is simply this. God knows where we hide. We can't, find, we can't get away from him, and he will chase us down. So this is the question for us. Where are you? It reminds me of the account, the story of a young lady who was attending high school. She's applying herself. She makes good grades. She gets out of high school, begins to attend a university, falls in love, gets married, becomes, now she's Mrs. Smith. I don't know if that's a real name, but it, it worked for this. Mrs. Smith, and Mrs. Smith applies herself at the university. She graduates with honor in the process. She does her practicum. She does her student teaching, and they award her the state certificate for education. And right out of college, she secures her very first job as a school teacher, as an elementary teacher, just a few counties over. She's thrilled, and like every first-time, first-year teacher, she applies herself. She's up burning the midnight oil. She's trying to find all the best uh, lessons she can find. She's doing lesson planning. She's writing it all out. She's making sure it's all perfect. She learns to deal with juggling the parents and the kids. Because you do know that juggling the parents is harder than, okay, then, okay, y'all still here, all right. So, 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 so she, she, she does it. First day of school starts, she does her best. All through the first year, there's very few hiccups and very few problems. And she ends on the last day and she breathes a sigh of relief. It was a good year. And now, summer. Come on, school teachers, summer. They all live for the summer. And she's in the middle of summer. She's enjoying it. And so now, all of a sudden, before she knows it, her her summer vacation is over. Second year starts. She just takes her lesson plans back out. She dusts them off. And because now she's familiar with them and she knows what she's doing, she's in her groove, man. She's hit her stride, man. And second year is perfect. And she pats herself on the back and summer comes again. Third year starts and she begins to realize as she watches other teachers in her school, they begin to try new techniques and they begin to try new lesson plans. But Miss Smith decides that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So she just goes through her third year with the same exact lesson plans and it works perfectly. And she repeats that process Year after year after year, for 25 years, she uses her first-year lesson, and it works flawlessly every year for 25 years. Then she retires. And so we must ask this question. Does Mrs. Smith have 25 years of teaching experience, or does Mrs. Smith have one year of teaching experience repeated 25 times? And I came to mess with you this morning because I think we ought to ask the same question to us about our spiritual maturity. Oh, come on, touch your neighbor, say buckle up, buttercup, it's getting ready to get tied up in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
See, the truth is, is that most of us had moments in our life where we came to grips. Probably now everyone in the room, hopefully everyone watching online, has come to grips with this understanding that I need a Savior. I can't do this on my own. I have sin in my life. And so I submit my heart and my life to Jesus. And in that process, He transforms me into salvation. And we, we, He alters our path from death to life. Then time goes on. And too often, like Mrs. Smith, this is what happens. We turn the page of a calendar and we age but we don't mature in our walk with Christ so I must ask you do you have one year of relationship with Jesus repeated three times five times 25 years or do you have this maturity that you've gained through experience? I would submit that most of us have one year of experience repeated 25 times this is what we do we have made spiritual maturity a calendar issue so we begin to believe there's this, I'm convinced of this, there's this false narrative that is floating through most of our lives. I see it on display in this church. I see it on display in other churches. I see it around the universe. It's not just here. It's everywhere I turn. I see this false narrative that is being bought into, and that is this, how long I'm saved determines how spiritually mature I am. Yeah. So as the calendar turns... With no intentionality on my part, with no effort on my part, with no determination in my spirit, because the calendar is turning, I am becoming spiritually mature. We've made it a calendar issue. Like, like, like cheese, I just become better with time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And so what happens is I don't have to do anything to become more mature, more mature except traverse time. I believe, now I've got some statements that I've written. I don't do this all the time, but this morning I'm going to read some stuff to you because I want to make sure you know that I'm not picking on you, although I am picking on you. And I want to say it just the way I wrote it so I don't, not, okay, y'all with me? All right, don't forget we're a talkback church, all right? You can talk back to me a little bit. All right, so I'm going to read this because I believe this is why we have grown consistently more uncomfortable with preaching and discussions about spiritual maturity. I think what we'd prefer is let's just do church and never really ask the question. The question is, is where are you in your walk with Christ? I believe that's why we approach our relationship with, this, with Christ like this. We feel the need for growth and maturation should be unaddressed. Should never even approach the, broach this subject. We shouldn't talk about this subject. We should just have feel good church and never really ask the question: Are you growing in your relationship with Christ? The, the it's interesting to me that the enemy in the garden exposes Adam to his nakedness. The same enemy now has flipped the script in his tactics, and he tries to convince us that we are fully clothed in maturity when we're not. So we don't want anybody to talk about it. This is what we do. We rubber stamp and approve of our own level of maturity because we have no standard other than ourselves to compare to and we walk around naked thinking we're fully robed in, in maturity. That's why, listen to me carefully, I'm going to use the air quotes correctly. That's why we have mature believers talking like acting like, believing like, behaving like people who have only known Jesus for one year and yet they'll walk around as mature believers acting like they're intimate with Christ but they've never really grown. 
yeah, 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 yeah. We really don't want anybody to address the necessity of maturing in our faith because we are then forced, like Adam, to, to make a choice about which option we're going to follow. There are two options in this discussion that we're going to have over the next four weeks, four weeks from today. We're going to have a discussion about spiritual maturity. We're even going to take a test. I'll talk about that more in a moment. Uh, there are two options here. Option number one is we do like Adam and we honestly and transparently participate in self-examination while we open the door to allow other people to pinpoint, and the Holy Spirit, by the way, to pinpoint our shortcomings in our walk, our attitudes, our characters, so that we can grow. We literally come out of hiding and we evaluate whether we need to grow or not. That's option number one. Option number two is this. We hide behind masks and we hide behind excuses and we hide behind distractions. And this is what we do. We give ourselves permission to ignore the discussion and we will refuse to participate in the discussion or we will fudge on our evaluations so that we let ourselves off the hook as the exception so that we can continue to exhibit behavior and attitudes and emotions that are unlike Christ while we continue to claim that we are intimate with him. So stay with me. I told you to buckle up. In this process, if you opt for option number two, in the process, what you literally do is we transform Jesus to look like us rather than allowing him to transform our relation with, relationship with him into his image. We make him like us because we're comfortable with us. That's why and how mature believers, mature, those that would say, I've been saved for 25 stinking years. You're late to the game. I got saved when I was five years old. That means uh, 49 years ago I gave my life to Jesus. And if I'm not careful because I got saved 49 years ago and the calendar has turned, I will say then that I have become mature. And this is why mature believers continue to operate in gossip and anger and pettiness and territorialism and offense and prejudice and lust and the list goes on and on because by transforming Jesus into our image we think that he's comfortable with how we live because he's like us I will tell you this unless we opt for the first option we really have no chance of ever really actually becoming mature in our faith we will be born again if you come into contact with Jesus and you've given your, your life, you, you, you've submitted to him like Pastor Andrew prayed, then at that moment you are born again. You are on your way to heaven. But if you don't opt for number one, then there is no way that you can actually become spiritually mature. True spiritual, okay, here, here's the hard and unsettling truth. I'm just going to give it to you like I wrote it because I need you to hear it. Here, here it is, here it is. True spiritual maturity forces us to transform and conform to his image. We like that statement until we continue. Which forces us to guard our mouth, to turn the other cheek, 
to leave our gift at the altar and seek out the other party, to believe the best about others. To, to, it forces us to no longer allow vain imaginations to run our mind and life. It forces us to prefer others over ourselves. It forces us to make room for others. It forces us to break down walls. It forces us to live in holiness. And the list goes on and on and on. And the only way that we have a chance of becoming more like Christ is to allow him to transform us into his image and we go on this journey where we go you know what I'm not where I need to be and he's more like me than I am like him and I'm not going to put up with that in my life anymore so I'm just I'm throwing down the gauntlet here at Passion Church I'm throwing it down I'm just telling you that over the course of the next few weeks you are going to have to make a decision you can listen and participate and, and come into this thing with a made up mind and declare and say because of my own standard of maturity I have arrived I'm as mature as I need to be I, I know everything I need to know I, I glow in the dark I'm so holy I never Okay, so, 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 and because you, you meet your standards, and because so much time has gone by since you first met Jesus, that you don't, you will make up your mind that you don't even need to answer this question. Don't even have, don't bother me. I'm just going to skip the next four weeks. Don't ask me that question. I don't need to be asked that question. I have been saved so long. I am so mature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you can honestly and carefully allow the Holy Spirit to take hold of our lives and shine a light. I'm asking the Holy Spirit over the course of the next four weeks to shine a light on us and let us see the areas in our life where we have grown comfortable in our childishness and where there's still room for us to grow so that we become more shaped in His image than we've ever been in our life. We, we, we've got to know where we are. Where are you this morning? That is the question. Where are you this morning? If we're going to be able to grow, then honest and realistic assessment is the key to advancement. Honest and realistic assessment. You have to take a real assessment. You cannot lie to yourself. You can't let anybody else lie to you. You've got to become very aware of where you are in your relationship because growth is determined by being unguarded. Maturity is only achieved as you become maskless in front of Jesus. I also want you to know before we, uh, before we go any further on this journey, that this, this question of where are you is a personal question. Too often what we want to do is we want to do this. I would be further along in my Christian walk if my spouse was more like Jesus. Anybody want to amen that now and pay for it later? Kids, want to, young people, teenagers, college students. I would be so much further along in my relationship with Jesus if my parents would model for me at home what I see them do in church. And we want to push it off to them. If my circle, the people I run with, the people I spend my time with, if they were more like Jesus, then I would be conforming more to Jesus. If my church... Okay, all right. Don't don't act like don't don't even act like you hadn't said this. If 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 my church was deeper, and it was more spiritual, and it was more whatever fill in the blank, then I I would be so much more like Jesus. Well, here's the issue. 
I want you to notice the question again. God asks Adam, where are you? He does not say, where are y'all? Proving that he was not from North Carolina. You do know Eve was there too, right? And yet he does not ask, where are y'all? He puts it right squarely in front of Adam, demands that Adam answer the question for himself. Where are you? I want you to know environment matters. But a refrigerator remains cold in a hot environment. And a grill stays hot in a cold environment. Proving that although your environment matters, you can make a choice to grow spiritually regardless of if, whether anybody else chooses to go with you or not. It is a personal question. We have a personal responsibility to grow. We have a personal responsibility to mature. Spiritual growth is your choice and your choice alone. Period. So you say, well, why am I at church then? Because our responsibility is to partner with you on this journey. And so what we're going to do is this. We're going we're to provide you some tools to assist. On the, I, 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 I hate to even tell you what week. Somewhere along the last week. I may, I'm still debating, trying to trick some of you. Because if I tell you there's going to be a test on the last week, you'll skip it. Just like you skipped all the ones in high school. Uh, you, you'll say, I clipped out. I'm exempt. And you won't show up. We, have, we, we literally have a test. I found a test. Some of y'all have taken spiritual gifting tests. I found a test that evaluates your spiritual maturity. And so somewhere along the last week, one of those weeks, we're going to slip you a test. Here's the great news about the test. You get to take it all by yourself. Then you get, to, you get to show it to an accountability partner, and they get to either agree or disagree with your numbers so you can't lie. <laughs> And out of that, it is going to reveal to us where we are. As a body, we should, we should partner with each other. But hear me very clearly. Our individual spiritual maturity cannot and never will be the responsibility of the corporate. It does not matter if this church is one inch deep or a mile deep. Your spiritual maturity rests at your feet on your shoulders, on your choices. So we're going to help you. I had a pastor friend that took this test. Uh, but let me just tell you, before you guys take this test, I'm going to take this test. And every member of our staff is going to take this test. Because we wouldn't ask you to do something we're not willing to do. I've got a, a pastor friend that's already taken this test. And he called me and he said, Steve, I've got a problem. I said, what's that? He said, I'm not as mature as I thought I was. And I don't like it. Because as a pastor, we're supposed to be really mature. And he found out he wasn't nearly as mature as he thought he was. And he had some room to grow. I think that's what's going to happen for all of us. So over the course uh, 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 of the next few weeks, we're just going to keep asking you, where are you? Where are you? And as you ponder that question in your spirit, here's where I want you to, to, to land when it relates to your spiritual maturity. Put this on the screen. You already got it up there. I want you to try to evaluate. Even now, before we take the test, I want us to begin to ask this question. Am I an infant? Am I a teen? Am I adult, an adult or am I a parent? Where am I in my spiritual maturity? We're going to define these over the coming weeks. Some of it's going to be very uncomfortable because it's going to hit way too close to home. Like I've already been working on, I've already finished the, the, the baby stage. Don't like it much at all because it 
Okay, because I started thinking there's some areas here I, okay, and I didn't like, but, but it will force us to evaluate where we are. So, so a lot of us walk around, and I want to change the, the, the playing field just a little bit. A lot of us walk around, even in this environment, in this body, and we talk about the fact that I'm devoted to Christ, as if that's the goal. Do you even know what I'm devoted to Christ? Devoted, the word devoted means zealous. It means affectionate. It means I'm attached to. I don't know if you've discovered, but I've discovered that there are a lot of folks walking around that say they're devoted to Christ, that are affectionate to Christ, they're zealous for Christ, they're attached to Christ, but they're not very mature. Oh, I didn't get no help. You apparently haven't been on Facebook like I've been on Facebook. You apparently hadn't done somebody wrong that just prayed in tongues up at the altar that Sunday morning and you cut them off in traffic. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're devoted. But the, see, here's the issue. That's the standard we have established. Devoted. But that's not even the standard the Bible establishes. The Bible goes deeper. than This is our goal. Our goal is not to be devoted. Let me tell you what God's looking for. The word specifically tells us what God is looking for. It's in, it's in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. Listen carefully. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That means he's looking all over the globe. He's trying to find all of, he's, 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 where, where, where are they at? Where are they at? Where are they at? I'm looking for him. I'm looking for him. And he says, he says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully devoted. No. Misread it. Fully committed to him. You say, well, what's the difference? The word. Devoted means zealous. Devoted means attached. Devoted means affectionate. But committed means perfect. Blameless. It comes from the Hebrew word, the derivative, which means whole. Okay, y'all, y'all not getting it, so, so let me show you in the New Testament because that's why maturity is our goal here. That's why Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 13 tells us what all of this is about. Why do we even do what we're doing together? Why would we gather like this? Why would you listen to a preacher? Why would you spend time under an apostle? I'm not saying I am one. I'm just saying somewhere, if you have an apostle, great. Why, would, why are prophets necessary? Why are teachers? Why, why do we even submit ourselves to all this? Because Devoted is not the goal. Committed is, okay, you don't believe me, here it is. Christ chose some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers so that his people would learn to serve and his body would grow strong. Listen, this will continue until we are united by our faith and by our understanding of the Son of God. Then, then, We will be mature just as Christ is and we will be completely like Him. Notice it did not say that once I give my life to Jesus and spend 15 years in the church, Jesus becomes like me. It says the goal is that as we sit in environments like this, as you rub shoulders with other believers, as you read your Bible, as you spend time in devotion, as you watch the podcast, as you read books, as you press in and dig in and try to get closer, in that process you become mature and you become like Jesus. And I submit to you this morning, 
that the goal is maturity. And that is what we are pressing for this year. And I want to remind you, last but not least, the number of years you've been saved. How many attendance pins you've got because you've never missed a Sunday. Even when you were sick, you came and infected everybody else. But you were here and got your attendance pin. All the flannel graphs you learned on, all the PowerPoints you've watched, all the sermons you've heard, do not matter. That is not the standard. The number of years is not the standard. The standard is this. Do you look more like Jesus or does Jesus look a whole lot like you? And because he looks so much like me, I can do anything I want to do, say anything I want to say, behave any way I want to behave, act any way I want to act. But all of a sudden, if we would become mature, it shifts and I go, you know what? I got to answer the question, where am I? Am I more like Jesus today than I was yesterday? Am I more, more like Jesus now at, at 49 years into this relationship than I was on the first day? Or do I just have 49 years of a one-year experience repeated over and over again? My goal for me, my goal for you, don't skip the test. My goal for you, my goal for you, my goal for us is that we would be marching towards becoming mature in our faith so that we look like Jesus. So here's the question. Where are you? Where are you? Answer the question. Father, I pray this morning that as we launch into this new year, that you would cause us to make a decision. We need to make a decision this morning. You're, you're forcing us. You're forcing our hand to make a decision. We can decide to participate. We can decide to be honest. We can decide to be transparent. Or we can opt to put on a mask and act like we're more than we are. We can continue to behave and talk and believe like a one-year relationship over and over again and we become less and less like you and you become more and more like us. God, I'm asking you this morning that you would give me a group of people called Passion Church and together we would partner on this journey recognizing that we are each individually and totally responsible for our own spiritual growth. But I pray that together we would march in lockstep and we would try to discover where we land on all this and we would become committed not just devoted, but committed to becoming like your son, Jesus. He is our standard. He is our example. He is our goal. And I pray that in the process, even when it's painful, and even when it means I've got to give up my pet stuff, the stuff I enjoy, the stuff I'm comfortable with, the, the stuff that I like, that I think you give me permission about, I pray that instead this morning and over the course of this series, I would allow you to whittle all that stuff off so that at the end of this thing, we will be able to say that we are fully committed, whole, blameless, perfect before you, becoming like your son Jesus, mature in our faith. And we will be able to say we're more mature now than when we started this journey. And Father, if you can help us accomplish that, then we will call it good. 
we will call it good. Help us, I pray. Rip off every mask. Tear down every excuse. And allow us to be honest before you and your people, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Touch your neighbor right now and say this. Don't skip the test. Come on, tell them. Don't, 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 don't skip the test. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.